Welcome to The Sharing Plan. My name is Kyle Posey. We are in our second episode of the new year. I am joined by Akash, as always. Akash, 10-game winning streak. 49ers have given us plenty of content, plenty of positive content. We're heading into the playoffs, man. How you doing? Doing fantastic. It's playoff week. Happy playoffs to you. Happy playoffs to all of our listeners. It feels like we've been kind of building up to this since about the midway point of the season because it felt like the 49ers were probably going to make the playoffs. And the last kind of month of the season, we need, we found out they were going to host a home playoff game. And I think the excitement is just building up, especially given the opponent in the Seattle Seahawks. And I know some 49ers fans are nervous just because of the opponent and the coach, but just excited that it's the playoffs, man. There's a reason to be nervous, right? Like the whole three, three beating three games or beating a team three times in a row does scare people. I think that is only an internet thing. I don't think the players and the coaches are thinking in that manner. And Kyle Shannon has spoken um, in that sense as well. But the familiarity does matter, I think. And Seattle has good players. They have a quarterback that can challenge the 49ers defense. And we'll make some predictions here at the end. But before we get there, we have some questions to go through. And the difference in this year's 49ers team compared to last year's was was kind of kind of nuts. Just thinking about last year, this time, like we were kind of still riding the the wave of coming off, coming back, beating the Rams just to make the freaking playoffs. And this time, like the 49ers were like, uh, around, you know, December, it was a lock that they were going to make. And it was only a matter of would they even get the bye compared to who are they going to play in the first round? The 49ers are heavy favorites. And because of that, I think that's going to make it easy to ask some questions. So we're going to go. We're going to pit the offense and defense against each other. And we're going to come up with, you know, who deserves more credit? Um, which team is more or which side, whether it's 49ers offense, the 49ers defense, um, just is more dangerous. So let's let's start out with the big one here. I would argue the 49ers have two of the five best coordinators in the NFL, which is insane to say. And, and that speaks to how well they play. Like there's a reason the 49ers are on a 10-game winning streak. So – in your mind, who deserves more credit for the season as a whole? So we're not going since Brock Purdy took over. We're not going uh, from the second half of the season even. It's the entire 2022 regular season. Who deserves more credit between Kyle Shanahan or D'Amico Ryans? This is tough because D'Amico Ryans has done an excellent job with this defense. It's been the consistent group between the two, right, from the from week one all the way through week 18 as a whole, they've probably performed better, but I'm going to have to say that Kyle Shanahan deserves more credit. And I think there's a couple of factors that play into this. And going back to the off season, the offensive coaching staff was completely flipped over. I mean, they had a new coordinator. They lost their offensive coordinator. So new run game coordinator, new pass game coordinator, new wide receivers, coach, new tight ends, coach, um, and just a completely different group to work with. And the only constant there was Kyle Shanahan. And a lot of those guys, even though they were in the building, were in different roles or uh, were elevated and promoted. And Kyle Shanahan was essentially the constant. And the second thing is the number of quarterbacks that have changed. You know, they came into the season with a plan for Trey Lance and how to utilize him, how to design the offense around him how to design the run game around him. And that had to be thrown out, you know, a game and a half into the season. And they had to regroup and figure out what to do. And 
In between that, they had injuries to Trent Williams, injuries to Elijah Mitchell, uh, injuries to Debo Samuel, injuries to George Kittle. And while the offense sputtered at different points, once they kind of hit the ground running, it felt like the offense now is more explosive, more potent going into the postseason. I mean, over the last six games, they've scored 23 touchdowns. They're averaging nearly 33 points. Um, since Christian McCaffrey arrived midseason, they're the most efficient offense in the NFL. They're the most efficient passing offense. They're the number three most efficient rushing offense, according to DVOA. And it feels like they're, they're the most potent unit um, going into the playoffs right now. And I think Kyle Shanahan just deserves a little bit more credit given the – uh, you know, given the turnover and the coaching staff, given the roster issues they had on the offensive side of the ball earlier in the season, I just think defensively it's been a little bit more consistent given the players, injuries, coaching staff, et cetera. And they've just able, they were just able to take a step forward from where they were last year. So I think Kyle Shanahan, just, just a little bit more credit than D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah, I think this is tough just because you're, you're naming all of the injuries coming into this season – the defense was going to be dominant because of the defensive line, naturally, but a lot of that was because of their interior presence. And that was Eric Armstead. That was Javon Kinlaw. Javon Kinlaw missed three months. Eric Armstead missed two months. Okay. Outside of that, you have to look in the secondary. So Emmanuel Mosley was playing very well. He started five games. They, essentially, the rest of the season, they're playing a fifth rounder in Diamador Lenore, who nobody would have expected him to be the starter for this number of games for the season. So to play without two of your starting defensive tackles for the majority of the season and your starting cornerback for the majority of the season and still like across the board, be number one says something about Tamika Ryan's. Yes. They have Nick Bosa who's going to win the defensive player of the year. Yes. They have Fred Warner who's a first team all pro, but to not miss a beat despite missing those quality players, I think just kind of speaks volume to the coaching staff, the personnel department. So kudos and hat tip to, I mean, in December, Michael Dunfor and T.Y. McGill are freaking making plays along the defensive line. <laughs> if you knew who those names were before this season, you are lying. I do not believe you for one bit if you are listening. But again, I think it just kind of shows you the depth. Bakash and missed his quarterback, man. And it's one thing, like we saw what the defense looked like without their quarterback, Nick Bosa. We haven't really seen what they look like without Fred Warner, thankfully. But offense, when you were down your quarterback, when you spend, as you said, all offseason putting together a specific offense to brand after the, the playing style of Trey Lance, and then a two and a one and a half games in, you have to throw all that work out of the door. And I, I think it's easy for some to think that, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's been here, so we can just turn the page, go back to what we've been doing. I don't think that was the case, and you kind of saw that, uh, especially early on. It took Jimmy a little while to get going, but he kind of looked like Jimmy after a while, and then he gets hurt. And now it's the seventh-round rookie. So thankfully, again, the 49ers have enough weapons to help prop Brock, Brock Purdy up. But he's delivered, and I think when you when you talk about the 49ers offense and how they've been scoring points and how they've looked, Brock Purdy is going to get a lot of the credit, but to me it's Kyle Shanahan, and there's no doubt about it. He has made or helped Brandon Ayuk look like wide receiver one. All of a sudden, uh, George Kittle morphed back into uh, one of, if not the best tight ends in the game because they're using him now, whether that's Purdy, whether that's Shanahan's brilliance, 
relying on – I know a young quarterback, what's his best friend usually? A check down or a tight end. Now he has the best check down option in the game and a, a tight end who is seemingly winning all of his one-on-one matchups. So I think it goes back to Kyle Shannon. And there are plays where he's using what the defense is trying to do against him, against them. And it's turning into explosive plays. I'm going to actually get to some of those plays on my timeline here because he's a mastermind. I think D'Amico Ryan is the best defensive coordinator in the NFL, but I think Kyle Shanahan has done a better job in this sense. So we both agree there. Uh, Kyle Shanahan deserves, quote unquote, more credit, but it's it's close, man. I mean, not having we're, we're, we're picking we're splitting hairs here. And I saw this graph that um, Arjun Menon, uh, he does a lot of analytics. He tweeted out and it was basically on the Y axis. It was how often. Do you create perfectly drawn up plays on offense? On the x-axis, it was how many plays on defense are perfectly covered. And the 49ers were the only team in the in the area of the graph where defensively they covered a lot of plays perfectly and offensively they called up a lot of open plays. Like there wasn't really another team kind of in the vicinity. And it shows you how well coached they are on both sides of the ball. So when you're picking, when we're both picking Kyle over D'Amico, it's like splitting hairs. And it isn't to take anything away from D'Amico at all. All right, let's, let's turn the page here. So next question, which unit do you have more confidence in as we get into the playoffs? And again, we're talking about eight. So there's a stigma surrounding the 49ers defense because they did struggle against the Raiders. But if you're looking at the big picture, right? I thought the defense did a hell of a job against the Cardinals. I thought they, they looked like the defense that we're used to seeing, right? So the pass rush came alive. The secondary was in sync. Uh, the turnovers have been consistent. And that was something that we weren't sure would happen. Tal No Funga got off to a great start, a hot start early on. But the turnovers kind of tailed off in the middle of the season, and they picked right back up in the second half. So I think it's fair to say defensively, like whether it's success rate, whether it's um, – I mean, you just go down the list, DVOA. Outside of third downs, they're in the top three for seemingly every uh, meaningful category that matters. But third downs are important, man. And if you can't get off the field on third downs, especially against some of the quarterbacks that the 49ers could potentially see in the playoffs, that would be worrisome, troublesome. But again, in my mind, the way that I'm looking at it, third and 11, give me that every day of the week, right? I'll, I'm going to bet on D'Amico Ryan's dialing up pressure. Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Charles Amenehu, Samson Ebicom, like all of these names that they can come at you, the pass rush, winning and getting off the field. So I'd lean the defense despite their recent success. And, I mean, speaking of struggling in the playoff, the 49ers offense, like they haven't been great under Kyle Shanahan. Mind you, they did not have Christian McCaffrey. They have not had this version of Brandon Ayuk. Debo is going to be healthy. That helps. But I think more so, if you, if you go back to 2019 – George Kittle was targeted, I believe, like under like 12 times in three games. This, if you just go back to the last three games, he's been targeted 22 times. So he's a focal point of the offense. They are trying to get the ball to their best players. Purdy is leaning on his best players, and I think that makes a difference. So it's tough to argue against an offense that's been dropping uh, 38, 37, 37 in the last three games. And Washington, mind you, was a very good defense even before that, 21, 35, 33. So they're scoring at will. They're scoring – uh, multiple touchdowns of four and five touchdowns a game. So they're going to be able to put pressure on opposing defenses. So the 49ers offense is able to build a lead. That's only going to make life easier for the pass rush. 
I don't know here. Again, uh, these are, if we're talking, if I say Kyle Shannon and D'Amico Ryans are two of the top five best coordinators in the NFL, in my opinion, I would argue that the 49ers defense and the 49ers mm -hmm. offense are comfortably in the top seven. If we're listing all the units in the playoffs, most people would put the 49ers defense in the top five, right? And then the offense, based on how they've recently performed, would be right up there as well. So where are you going to go here? What, what, what do you think? Good players all over the place. The AP, the NFLPA just listed their all-pro team. 49ers had four players. That was really cool. A well-deserved. What do you think? I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I have more confidence in the Brock Purdy-led offense than I do in the Fred Warner, Nick Bosa-led defense. And hear me out. The offense over the last six weeks has been the most efficient unit in football. Simply put, they're averaging nearly 34 points a game. They've had, I think they're averaging, what, a little over 37 points in their last three games. Mind you, one of those games was against the top 10 defense in the Washington Commanders. The only game they really haven't, they haven't gotten to 30 points in Brock Purdy starts was against Seattle, which was a short week on the road for the division and a game where Brock Purdy was, I think, in significant pain, more pain than any of us on the outside will probably know, just given the fact that he didn't practice at all that week. Um, and we weren't sure if he was going to play. So that was really the only only game where the offense kind of struggled. And honestly, they probably should have had 24 points. And Robbie Gold kind of missed a, a chip shot field goal there at the end, which kind of opened the door. But nonetheless, this offense now with Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell healthy, who looks potent as ever. Now on the outside, you've got Brandon Ayuk, 1,000-yard receiver Brandon Ayuk, who seemingly gets open over the middle whenever you want. You've got Debo Samuel, who was arguably their best player on offense last season. He missed the last three, four games, and you felt like you didn't even think about it because they were so good on offense. And then you got George Kittle, who has seven touchdowns in the last four weeks. I think Brock Purdy's last eight touchdowns, six of those have gone to Kittle, who's suddenly become a red zone monster. He's become what Travis Kelsey is for the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. And this offensive line, you talked about it, and I think you tweeted it on Niners Nation, the most underrated unit or group has been this offensive line. I mean, outside of Trent Williams, they basically, and Mike McGlinchey, they started three new guys up front, and they're top five in PFS pass blocking efficiency. They are excellent in the run game as well. I think they've had six, five or six games where they haven't given up a sack. And it's like, where is the weakness on this unit? Right. There's not one glaring area where like, oh, they got to count for, you know, a, a weak right tackle or they they seem to give up interior pressure or, you know, their running backs just mm, or, you know, wish I had a better tight end. It's like they've got stars everywhere. And the only thing is Brock Purdy and even Brock Purdy has given you no reason to believe that there's going to be a drop off in play. He's shown up in different situations on the road, at home, short week, uh, big opponent, prime, you know, prime time. And he's answered the bell every single time. And they're coordinated by one of the NFL's best play callers and offensive play designers. And so it's hard not to be extremely confident. And I think the one thing that gives me a little pause about the defense is just their ability to defend the pass on third down, which I think in DVOA to 27th, and then their ability to defend deep passes. So anything over 16 areas, I think they're 29th in DVOA. Those two things give me just a little pause heading into the playoffs, just because we've seen Talano Hufunga get a little undisciplined 
And we've seen Diamador Lenore, who seems to be sticky in coverage, but lose at the catch point. Um, just those two things feel like they can be taken advantage of, where offensively I feel like they they feel unstoppable. They feel like a machine recently. So it's odd to say, but I feel more confident in this Brock Purdy-led offense. Here's how spoiled that we've been watching the 49ers. Um, to say, just to be able to say that the defense, who is widely considered the top unit in the NFL, like isn't the best unit on this team. Um, it seems like whenever they're on offense, if they don't score, it's a disappointment, which is kind of crazy to say out loud. But when you have the five eligibles that they do, and I'm glad you brought up the offensive line because they are doing, they are playing very well. They're giving Brock Purdy time. They are also allowing the running backs to run before contact. They are averaging three yards before anybody is touched, which is uh, top ten in the NFL. Their five eligibles are nasty, man. I mean, you can throw out Christian McCaffrey, Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, and then pick your poison, whether it's Ray McLeod, whether it's Juwan Jennings, even if it's Elijah Mitchell. Defenses are going to have a tough time to match up with that. But I, I'm going to stick with the defense here. And I, I get it. Like, there's been these big plays, six over 50 yards all season, six passing plays over 50 yards. Like, that is concerning. Um, last week. The first play of the game, Cardinals run a, a trick play. Diamador Lenore, he's in position. Like, he doesn't fall for A.J. Green. You have two guys there, and he just doesn't make a play. And last year, what we talked about all season, right, or second half of the season, Ambry Thomas, he's in position. He's just not making a play. And that came back to bite them. So perhaps that's the same this year with Lenore. If Tayshawn Gibson makes a tackle, the 49ers probably hold him to a field goal, maybe even a fourth and goal stop like they have in the past few weeks. And we're not really worried about that. I'm betting on the pass rush. I'm betting on Mooney Ward being a lockdown cornerback who I don't think he's gotten nearly the credit that he deserves. So he's allowed 52% completion percentage this year. He's only had two touchdowns on 69 targets. The way that D'Amico Ryans is calling defense, he's putting um, Ward on one side and then he's shifting all of the help the other way towards the north. That is going to be tough for opposing offenses to either, okay, you challenge Ward, who's not giving up anything, he's competitive, he's always in position, or you're going to have to throw on Lenore to help. And we highlight these plays where Lenore does give up a catch or two, and it is a big play. There's no doubt about it. I'm not running from that or hiding from it. But there are at least 10 to 15 other plays. Well, Lenore just blankets the guy. He's in position. He's a great tackler. He's aggressive. He he knows how to play the position and Hufunga as well. Essentially, I'm just betting on the turnovers to make up for whatever blunder that he has. Like there's going to be a play just like last week, third and 14. Hufunga tries to dive under a block and the Cardinals pick up a first down. That can't happen. He needs to be more decisive. And if he is decisive, he better make these plays. But... He's around the ball. Like he's probably going to have a blitz where he makes a tackle in the backfield. The defense gets off the field. Tayshawn Gibson's been roaming in center field, making a ton of plays. That pass rush, Charles Aminihue is not getting the type of credit that he needs to be. Uh, he had, he could have had a couple of sacks last week. I think just the way that they're coming at you in ways when it gets to third down that we're so concerned about um, using Fred Warner as a blitzer has been everything for them this season. I think D'Amico's done a really good job of hiding Nick Bosa so that opposing offenses can't just tee off on him whether it comes to chipping and adding extra help. So they're prepared. They have the players. They have an elite player at every level, and that's why I'm going to go with the 49ers defense. Again, we're talking about um, hairs. two of the best units here. That That is a very good thing for the 49ers and probably easy uh, to be confident in this team 
um, as, as we're going to get going here. So now that we've talked about some of the strength, which unit has a flaw that can be exposed going forward? And what is it? So we, I think it's obvious for the defense, right? It's those big plays. It's that third down. And I just mentioned the third and 14 where they didn't get off the field. I, I was watching the game, though. There are, there are plenty of third downs where they did get off the field. Um, but it has to be those big plays. And whether it's Hufunga falling for something, Gibson falling for something, uh, Ward has given up, you know, a play here or there. Lenore is an obvious concern. Will they be able to isolate the linebackers on a receiver? Um, you're, you're, you're playing with fire when you do that, though. These long developing plays that we're talking about, once it gets to three, three and a half seconds, there is a good chance that one of the defensive linemen will be in your face. So, yes, that is a concern. It, I don't know if it's a fatal flaw, but it's certainly a flaw. Uh, the 49ers deep passing game. You mentioned it. I, I believe they're bottom five and passes over uh, 20 yards. And it's it has been consistent all season. And uh, the NFC playoff picture, the, the wide receivers, the quarterbacks, they can all throw the ball down the field and they can all win down the field. What do you think is the fatal flaw on offense, though? Is it something as simple as the moment being too big for Brock Purdy? Is it like, are those turnover, quote unquote, turnover worthy plays going to catch up to him? Is it going to be something like a drop, you know, because that has been um, a problem for the 49ers occasionally throughout the season. I I struggle with this one when we go to the offense. I think it's pretty cut and dry defensively. But on offense, um, I, I mentioned this on our other podcast on SB Nation. So to me, it comes down to will the 49ers quarterback be able to make the four to five throws that Kyle Shanahan asked him to make, a, not a game, over the course of a playoff because the running game – when you look at the rest of the NFC, the 49ers are going to be able to run all over whoever they play. So can Purdy execute? Can he take care of the ball? Can he hit a guy in stride? And it's not so much interceptions, right? It's not just about turnovers. It's can you hit a guy in stride? It's can you – will you not buckle under pressure essentially? And sometimes it's as simple as completing a second and seven to keep your offense on the field and ahead of the change. What concerns you about the offense? Ironically, I think it's their red zone offense. And it feels weird because it seems like they're scoring in bunches. It feels like all of a sudden, like the points per game have gone up. And then you, you start to wonder why, right? Because Brock Purdy's numbers in a vacuum look pretty similar to Jimmy Garoppolo's. But all of a sudden, they're just scoring more points. So you're like, well, are they just more effective in the red zone? Well, not really. Because over the last three games, they're 52% in the red zone, which is basically bottom 12. That's not good. That's not good, right? And I think that was really highlighted in, I think it was the Washington game where they had like a bunch of turnovers. They got the ball basically on plus territory and they ended up with three field goals. And I think over the last few weeks, it's been less of a problem, especially this past week, because it just felt like they just scored a bunch. And so maybe we're, we're not necessarily thinking about it, but I think their red zone offense throughout the year has just been a problem. Brock Brady's been a little bit better in that area, but I think that's the area that could come back to bite them where I think they're going to have no problem moving the ball between the twenties. And then once you get down there, can Kyle Shanahan put together two or three effective plays and can the 49ers go ahead and score touchdowns, not field goals. And I think that's honestly their, their, their fatal flaw because personnel wise, I don't think there's necessarily an area where they're lacking or coaching wise. And I, I even think like Brock Purdy's inexperienced or the moment being too big for him, like, Again, he hasn't shown that the moment has been too big for him so far. So 
I can't expect him to all of a sudden, um, you know, just choke under pressure or whatever. It, it's certainly possible, but I, I don't expect it. So if I had to pick one thing that gives me a little, hes- you know, little hesitation on offense, it's just a red zone uh, scoring ability. Yeah, Seattle's going to be the first team to see Brock Purdy twice. So we'll see if they have any other wrinkles. We'll see um, if there are any differences. But again, but the 49ers offense, everybody's always running wide open. So it's not like he's going to have to play outside of himself or do anything differently than what he's done in the past month and a half. Yeah, the red, we just talking about the red zone, they're leaning on George Kittle down there so much that, again, when you rely on your best players, usually good things happen. And Kittle has made a lot happen in that low red zone area. So that t- tough to feel too bad or tough to be too negative. It does feel like we're splitting hairs when we're talking about that flaw. I, I am curious to see, though, about that red zone because threes will not cut it against Geno Smith, Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, and hopefully they get to the Super Bowl. They certainly won't cut it against a Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Um, yeah, we'll get there. It, it'll be fun. Last question. We have seen the 49ers offense – defense come through in the clutch and to be fair we're talking about uh the quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo was quite good when it was a two-minute situation when they needed to move the ball uh, in a hurry which unit do you want on the field with one drive left in the game do you have and this comes back to just having more confidence are you going to trust Kyle Shanahan to dial it up for Brock Purdy with all those weapons or is D'Amico Ryans and when it gets to third down, like he's he's money. And when I say that, not not speaking statistically, I'm talking about knowing what you're going to get. He dials up pressures and just makes it so muddy, makes the pocket so muddy, um, causes the quarterback to drop his eye level. And that's usually when good things happen, whether it's a sack, whether it's a turnover. I'm going to go the defense because I trust one sided here. Right. So. If it's a last minute situation, let's say there's uh, 215 left, you're not going to run the ball and you you struggle to run the ball against the 49ers defense anyway. When they can kind of tee off on you, the defensive line, they put opposing offenses in a headlock. And as I mentioned, putting help towards Lenore, I thought last week specifically, D'Amico did a really good job of limiting how many opportunities Hufunga was deep. And that's the real worry, right? Will he be exposed when he's in deep coverage? I don't think that's going to be that's going to happen in the playoffs. So let Tayshawn Gibson roam deep, let the pass rush get after it, and rely on your linebackers to make open field tackles. That has been the recipe for success all season. I know there have been blimps along the way, but I don't think um, I, I just don't see opposing offenses challenging this defense enough to where it would be an issue. So I'm, I'm going to go defense here. Do you think the offense has a better chance of scoring? And maybe better chance isn't the right way of saying it, but who do you want on the field with one drive left? I think this is more so about just how those situations go. And generally the pressure is always on the offense to execute in those two-minute situations, end of game, need some points. It's just difficult to move the ball down the field regardless of who the defense is. And so in this situation, I want the 49ers defense on the field. And that's not to say I don't trust the 49ers offense. Like I said earlier, I have more confidence in them overall. But in those in those situations, there's just the, pr- the pressures on the offense to execute. And I think defensively, we've seen during this season when they've needed a game-changing play, when they've needed a momentum-swinging play, they've had to have a stop. They've gotten it. 
whether it's been a Nick Bosa sack, it's been a Nick Bosa strip sack fumble, it's been a Tayshawn Gibson interception, it's been a, a Talanoa who fung up pressure, it's been a Fred Warner blitz up the middle. And like you said, I trust D'Amico Ryans to call up the right things in that moment to force the opposing offense into a bind and really have to move the ball down the field. And if you have to methodically move the ball down the field, I trust this 49ers defense to eventually get a stop. And I saw this somewhere, and, and it rings true. You know, we go, ooh, and ah, over Kyle Shanahan's run game or, or their passing plays. And I think D'Amico Ryan does the exact same thing with his stunts and blitzes and pressure packages up front. Yet it's just a little bit harder to see because all we see is the quarterback get engulfed kind of at the end of the play. But it's very similar in how they draw up what they do defensively. And so if there was one drive left and I had to have one unit on the field, I'm putting that defense on the field and saying 97, you're the defensive player of the year, 54, you're an all pro, bring it home for us. Yeah, it's also matchup based too, right? Uh, we, we've seen this defense need to get a stop against Geno Smith and the Seahawks. How'd that work out? What, like, who is betting on Kirk Cousins to score in a two minute situation against this defense? Dak Prescott, has thrown 11 interceptions in the past seven games. We know that he has a propensity to buckle under pressure. The same could probably be said for the Eagles. So you just go down the list of teams that will potentially threaten the 49ers if it's Tampa Bay, if they get there in the NFC Championship. Like, we <laughs> we saw that game play out. I, yeah, I struggle to see opposing offense in the playoff, right, in the playoff picture right now, like getting over on this 49ers defense. So, yeah, that was fun. And I... I want to see this play it out and hopefully the 49ers keep winning so we can kind of see these scenarios and situations, whether it's the offense having to carry the defense or vice versa. Complimentary football would be nice. Uh, we didn't even talk about the special teams. They've been excellent this season. They've taken a giant step forward. Uh, big props to uh, guys like George Odom, uh, Tarverius Moore, but for sure a returner, Raven McLeod, who uh, the 49ers are fifth in DVOA in punt return. That is by far the highest number under Kyle Shanahan. That's all Ray McLeod right there. So uh, that'll do it for us. Actually, I lied. That'll not do it for us. We need to make some predictions because there is a football game this weekend, the 49ers and the Seahawks. So, I mean, the familiarity is out of control right here. But if you just look at a couple of the games and how the, those games have went, I think the pressure speaks for itself, right? One team consistently gets pressure. The other team does not. One team can run the ball with relative ease. The other team um, can't stop the run. So in that sense, like, there's a reason the 49ers are actually nine and a half point favorites. But that line came down a point, a half point. Would love to know that reasoning. I wonder if it's just as simple as 10 is a sweet number. Also true. Um, how much of the weather will play a part in that? Do you think Geno Smith, DK Metcalf, um, Tyler Lockett, like, are they going to be like, cause that's what it comes down to. Like, will they make enough big plays? Will Geno Smith push the ball down the field or will he, ha will he not have the time to um, remember, I, I keep bringing this up because this plays ingrained in my brain in Seattle. I know it's a short week. I know it's suboptimal conditions because Purdy was hurt, but that is a different game if Quandre Diggs catches that pass, a lot of things go on throughout the game over the course of the game where you could play what if, but that was a big turning point in the game. I'm not going to count on a dropped interception, but at the same time, I would imagine the 49ers execute the 49ers offense operates and is able to execute at a much higher level and score at the clip that we've seen them score um, 
come Saturday. So, it, I mean, matchup-wise, it's not great for Seattle, and I think that's why the line is so big. Um, like, they, they don't, <laughs> don't have anybody to match up with uh, Christian McCaffrey. They do have good corners on the outside, though, and they're athletic, so maybe that big play is able to take away. What, what do you see happening, and what's your score prediction before you get out of here? I think it's pretty simple. The Seahawks offense has scored one offensive touchdown in two games, and that came with like a minute 30 left in the fourth quarter after Robbie Gold missed a field goal. They scored one offensive touchdown, and I know they've moved the ball. They've had some weird red zone turnovers on that wildcat play in week two, but that probably says it all. And the Niners, I think, are the more talented team. They're the more well-coached team. They are the healthier team coming into this game. And there's a reason they're favored by nine and a half points. And defensively, I think the Seahawks just don't match up well with this 49ers team. I think DVOA, they're 27th against the run. They're 30th in third down defense. They're 28th in red zone defense. They're 27th against tight ends in the pass game. They're 30th in the pass game against running backs. And they're 28th against short passes, so passes of under 15 air yards, which really, you know, feeds into the whole yak concept. And so there's just a, there's just too many areas for the 49ers to take advantage of. And we saw that in week 15 against Seattle when Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle went ballistic. And that was a game where the 49ers didn't have Debo Samuel. They didn't have Elijah Mitchell. Brock Purdy, not making excuses, went into that game with a pretty serious oblique slash rib injury didn't practice, didn't throw the ball all week up until um, the walkthrough the previous night. So I imagine him being a little healthier this week is probably going to you know, play into that. And that's, that's I think, going to allow for the 49ers offense to have a ton of success. The Seahawks are also missing Jordan Brooks, right? I think he tore his ACL in that game or the week after, and he's out for the season. They're leading tackler. And I know Kyle Shanahan really likes to take advantage of the other linebackers on that team, especially in the past game by putting them in a bind. So I just think there's tons of areas for the 49ers offense to take advantage. And then you flip it to the other side. And we talked about DK Metcalf and if he can take advantage. Well, Mooney Ward has just had his number this season, two games, seven targets, five catches, 38 yards total. Metcalf has had 38 yards total in two games against Mooney Ward, no touchdowns and just hasn't been as explosive as he's been in years past. And if Traverius Ward is able to do that again, that means, like you said, you can roll coverage to Tyler Lockett and no offense. And you just bet on that pass rush getting home. And in the two games this season, uh, the 49ers pass rush has generated 45 pressures. Their offensive line has given up 11 pressures. So they've dominated the lines of scrimmage. And this matchup just kind of feeds into what the 49ers want. And I just think unless there's some turnovers, the rain causes, you know, some sloppy play or Seattle just throws the kitchen sink. I just think the 49ers start fast. They know what's uh, on the line and they come out swinging and they win this game like 30 to 17. I think, I don't think it's going to be particularly close. I think they handle business. I think this team knows what they're capable of and they come out and take care of it. I think we are going to see a kitchen sink game from Seattle because they are playing with house money, right? Nobody expected them to be here. Like that whole narrative, uh, they were projected to win something like four games this season. So for them to make the playoffs, I think we're going to see a little bit of everything and, and some surprises, maybe some trick plays like Arizona tried to pull on the first play last week. I think, like, as you mentioned, like that Metcalf matchup with Mooney Ward, 
that is going to be a big deal for the 49ers and in their favor. So if Lockett goes to the slot, that's the 49ers second best cover corner. So that's doing a disservice to, to Seattle, but they love to play through Lockett. So I, there has to be a plan to slow him down. He does, you know, worry me a bit knowing that he could get over on a guy like Lenore, or just if he's running through the defense, running up the seams, the seams and the numbers are the areas where you can attack the 49ers defense. And that happens to be where Geno Smith excels as well. So I actually think the, the Seahawks are going to move the ball and it's going to come down to the red zone defense. 49ers red zone defense has not been good uh, this season. I believe they are in the twenties. I think they they're, somewhere like 56%, I know since December 1st. So I think 23rd in the NFL in red zone defense. So they're going to have to hold Seattle to three, which I, I will, I do think they're going to be able to. Um, I, In my opinion, that's where Seattle's young offensive line will show up and the 49ers defensive line will be able to take control. But as you mentioned, for all the reasons on the other side, I, I have a hard time seeing Seattle slowing uh, the 49ers down. It's going to be easy, right? Or, the game plan is going to be easy for how the 49ers need to and how they will attack them. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to go um, out of their way. Just keep running their normal stuff. Check down to Christian McCaffrey. You throw these crossing routes to Brandon Ayuk. And then once you do get in the red zone, keep relying on George Kittle. Make Seattle make a mistake, right? Put them in a position to be confused. And, and Kyle Shannon finds a way, whether it's – I mean, we saw just in Seattle last game a couple of big plays because Seattle did not know what was coming. They had a couple coverage busts. Kyle Shannon is as good as it gets when it comes to putting you in a bind, making you make a decision, and making you be wrong. So I think the 49ers score. I think Seattle scores. But it'll come down to those red zone stops and mistakes. And I, I think we don't see the mistakes that you would expect to see from a seventh-round quarterback. So I'm going to go a little lower scoring here. I think it's going to be 24-13, 24-17 in that, in that ballpark. I do think it's a little bit closer just because playoff game familiarity. Um, the I think the weather will play a factor, but I don't see Seattle. It might look – the score will probably look closer than it is, much like the, the last time these two played, these two teams played on Thursday night. But, yeah, I, I feel comfortable saying the 49ers are going to come away uh, with a victory. So that will do it for us. Thanks as always. Please rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars wherever it is that you get your podcast. We will be back next Wednesday, hopefully talking about the divisional round matchup. Let's talk about that real quick, though. Um, who do you got between the Vikings and the Giants? Because that one is only a three-point uh, three spread. I'm taking the Giants, and I'm going to take the Bucks as well. So which would, in that scenario, mean Tampa Bay comes to San Francisco and the Giants go to Philly. I just think the Giants-Vikings played earlier this season. That game went to overtime. Giants have been planning, game planning for the Vikings now for two weeks. I just think the Vikings are fraudulent, and I think the Giants coaching staff is just slightly better, and I think they win that game. On the flip side, Dallas can't seem to stop the turn, can't seem to stop turning the ball over, and I think that offense just figures it out in Tampa Bay. I think they get Ryan Jensen back maybe to their center, so I like uh, Tampa Bay and, and, and New York. How about you? So I, I do think the Giants pull off that win, so a couple first-year coaching staffs, a couple guys who have been you know coaching their butts off. But I know the Giants don't have, you know, the weapons that Minnesota does, obviously Justin Jefferson. But, yeah, the Vikings, they can't stop anybody uh, defensively. And, and it, it's going to be tough for them to slow down Saquon. And I think Daniel Jones is able to run all over the Vikings. He's probably – if Dayball is as good as I think he is, this Kafka is really trying to earn a head coaching job, Daniel Jones is going to have 15 to 20 carries 
And then for the other side, that's going to be uh, an interesting game. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I, I'm, I think Dallas wins 21-20, something like that. Uh, it's going to be nasty. It's going to be sloppy. Probably going to be one of those that, that's not watchable, uh, unwatchable. But I think Dallas pulls it off. So what, what does that mean? That means um, the 49ers, uh, who they would host the Giants in? The no, 49ers, that, uh, no, the 49ers would host uh, they, Dallas. They would play the Cowboys, yeah, because the uh, Cowboys are the higher seed. So, divisional matchup, Dallas versus San Francisco. That's my prediction, and uh, that's going to be probably the most watched game of the playoffs, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, that'll do it for us. Rate, subscribe, review. As always, go Niners.